Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, GH debuted a new opener this week, which has gotten mixed reactions in our inbox. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, they have faces of the actors pass very quickly, almost like a vertical flip book, and it's very short. Now, I am someone who remembers very fondly the ambulance and the original General Hospital tune, and I'm still missing that one, to be honest. I feel the intro to a show sets the tone in a sense, and when you're a longtime viewer, you can't help but be partial to the one that was used when you started watching. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I remember watching One Life to Live in the early 90s and they transitioned away from, it was it was a song with lyrics and, you know, like the backdrop of Landview and photos of the characters. And um, that went away in favor of like a gauzy, lingerie-clad couple. And I don't even think it was actually actors from the show. It was like a generic, quote-unquote, sexy couple. And I have to imagine that that was an attempt to make the show look more more modern and sexier and everything. But honestly, it looked like softcore porn <laughs> more so than a soap. And I, I absolutely hated it. And uh, my personal favorite opening of all time is the You Are My Way to Another World song with the like the painterly looking clips, uh, you know, that they took of, of uh, scenes. And I mean, I live for that to this day. Well, I guess I will almost contradict myself now by saying that was also my favorite, mostly for the song, but that is not the intro that they used when I actually started watching in the early 80s. Yet it's the only intro I identify with when I think of that soap. Is it because you hear me singing it from time to time? <laughs> well, that might be it. <laughs> but even if I'm looking through an old issue, the song will pop into my head. It was so catchy. You know, like, I'm I'm open to liking new intros, but I want there to be some continuity, I suppose, with what came before. Like, I want the intro to be something that could be appealing to people who watched and knew the show 20 years ago, not just, like, a channel flipper of today. Well, I think YNR has had great success with that. I mean, they've continued the use of Nadia's theme mm-hmm. as the show's theme song, but changed it at some point since I've been here to include the actors, like, visually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fun fact, that was actually Michelle Stafford's silhouette. Like, as you see, walking down the hall, uh, you never saw her face. It wasn't credited, but that was her. Um, But, you know, if you tuned in today after years of not watching, let's say, you will know exactly what show it is. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm all for a little facelift, but, you know, some, some updating. But like a full, the face was burned beyond recognition, and we've done a recast with someone entirely different with the theme song. That, that I think, is a mistake. <laughs> um, I remember having some discussions with people at Days when they needed to shorten the intro a few years ago. Now, they had already removed the part where McDonald Carey says, um, I'm McDonald Carey and these are the days of our lives after he passed away mm-hmm. in 1994. But they kept the rest as is with the very iconic, like, sands through the hourglass so were the days of our right. lives, which, I mean, it wouldn't be it without it. Yeah. Um, but they shortened the cue, if you will, into the music. And I really miss those chimes. Um, I think B&B has always very clearly announced in its opening credits what it's all about. You know, it's about fashion, glamour, and beautiful people. Get into it. Absolutely. And for a while, we had the characters actually at a fashion show, if you recall. And they had the actor names and the character names. But then for their 30th anniversary... They went back to what they had in the beginning, and they actually got the same photography team from San Francisco to basically recreate the vibe of those original pictures, and it features the whole cast and the theme song. And, um, you know, what I particularly love about B&B, actually, is that they will do special opener credits every so often, like on Halloween, where they have bats flying around, and, you know, some of the pictures of those models are, like, Mm -hmm. altered to look, you know, all wacky and, like, made-up-y. But, you know, it's fun. Yeah, and I love that they did an homage, you know, and a throwback uh, on their anniversary year. And, you know, GH fans would love to see that ambulance again. There's no question. And, you know, I think about All My Children. They evolved its original photo album theme over the years. But I think evolutions are one thing and a total do-over is another. And I think it's a mistake. Um, Yeah, if you do that. I mean, the General Hospital one is so visually beautiful because the photos of these actors are, you know, so, like, great to look at and they switch it up every day. So that makes it kind of fun in a sense, too. Um, I used to wonder, actually, when shows started showing people in the beginning, I think Y&R for a while, it's like you knew who was on that day. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, That was sort of a thing that's certainly not to say that that's what GH is doing, but I think it is giving a little variety. And, I mean, I certainly applaud them for you know, having sort of the courage in a way to keep updating and to try to refresh in it because, you know, you're dealing with an audience that kind of is resistant to, to, to major change. Yeah. Well, our guest today has been on three shows and probably been through many intro changes. (laughs) It is three-time Emmy winner Gina Tonioni, who plays YNR's Phyllis. So let's get her on the phone to talk about Fick, Philly, her road to Genoa City and more. Hi, Gina. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What do you want to talk about today? Well, we're going to take a little walk down memory lane with you. And why don't we start your soap debut on One Life to Live in 1995? (laughs) Long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, tell us what you remember about your audition. Oh, uh, you know, I was a young girl. I was in my 20s and a young woman. And... Los Angeles, actually, originally, and I had come out here to become an actress. Um, I was studying acting at the time, and oddly, I was about to get to let it go acting. I, I had given it a long shot. I had been auditioning straight for about a year and a half and really wasn't picking up anything, um, but learning quite a bit. But I was getting a little frustrated, and I thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. And I was studying at the time uh, in Los Angeles in West L.A. and decided, well, I'm going to go back to college. You know, when I graduated high school, I got into Emerson College in Boston for, and I thought I was going to be a journalist. 
And I said, well, okay, I'm going to get into acting. I had met my manager at the time and I decided to commit to that. So I went full steam ahead and just started studying, moved out to LA. And, and then, you know, things weren't really picking up and I was getting frustrated. And I said, you know, why don't I just go back to school? I was at Santa Monica college and I got a call from my, uh, agent at the time and said, you know, there is this uh, contract role for Kelly Kramer at ABC's One Life to Live, and it's a great role, and why don't you just give it a shot? And I thought, well, it's in New York. I'm here in L.A. I'm going to be going to school. Uh, I, re- I re-enlisted into school, basically, into Santa Monica College. I was going to try to then go to UCLA, and I had this whole plan. I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to let go of this acting thing, or slowly, you know. And this audition came at the last minute. In fact, I was taking exams um, for anthropology or something like that. I think it was an anthropology. I remember being in the class. And the audition came about that week that my our, our exams were beginning. And I ran out, did the audition, came back uh, and, you know, scheduled to take some tests in the next few days. Got a call that I was supposed to fly to New York and do a screen test. Now, not only was this one of the few screen tests that I had pulled in, I guess, in my auditioning process, but it was the first time I'd have ever had to go back to New York in a long time. So like about a year and, uh, you know, like six months. And I thought, well, oh my gosh, we'll give it a shot. I went back, did the screen test and got the job. And I remember it was on set at One Life to Live. I thought the whole process was so amazing. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I thought, well, you know, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. And it happened. And they said, you know, you're our Kelly Kramer. And that was it. In an instant, my life changed. And I had to go and ask to be excused from my classes. And, and I got so many credits, but I lost a lot of credits. But at the same time, I just, it was such a, I always say it was like a divine order. It was, it was like the universe telling me, you know, no, you're, you're going to go this way right now. And, and I did. And I said, yes. And, and nothing's really been the same ever since, you know, <laughs> oh, really, re- really and truly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was 20 something years old and my first contract and, and just what a great opportunity. And my first boyfriend was Nathan Fillion on, on screen, rather not in real life. But um, he was the first, you know, love interest I had. I mean, how lucky could I be? And we became very fast friends, uh, met some of my best friends there. Um, Aaron Von Watts, not well, Aaron Torpy at the time. Uh, Darlene Vogel. Um, I still t- stay in touch with cameraman Howie Zeigman, uh, Cassie DePaiva. I'm still in touch with uh, who's out here now. So it was such formative years, and you know, I learned I learned everything that I could think of as far as television at One Life to Live, just the basics, you know. And I'm I'm just so grateful to all of them. I have to tell you, I was just watching some of your very first episodes on YouTube recently. I don't know if you remember. It was Kelly dressed Ugh. so outrageously and she went to the Gold Star Gala with uh, yeah. And, yeah, and it was just, it's so fun that, you know, these records exist of like watching you cut your teeth as an actress. Exactly. exactly. That's exactly what it was too. I was really, really green, but that I was terrified most every day. 
terrified at least every day. And I think it's because I just didn't know what what to be afraid of, but I just just knew to keep going forward. And the people that I was working with, like Robin Strasser, always encouraged me to keep going. And I just I felt so at home. And then I would use what I learned, you know, you know, as, as far as my basics and everything was just serving itself. And so I felt that I was in the right place at the right time. And I stayed there for about, I want to say almost seven years, mm-hmm. definitely six years on and off about seven years. Um, Cause it was just such a home. Uh, so it was just one of the best ways to learn, you know? So I just, I had an incredible learning ground and I got paid for it. So it really was kind of extra cool. <laughs> Better than anthropology class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot more interesting. Um, did you ever think about leaving after your first contract or did you know that you wanted to stay? Yeah, I did. I, I thought, well, gosh, should I go? Because believe at that time, Nathan might have left. I think so. Nathan was at a time that it was good for him to leave. Um, you know, he had to. And yeah, it was time for me to stay. You know, everything comes in seasons and I've always kind of just taken one step at a time and I'm glad I made that decision. Um, and then when I left and it was time to go and I um, I believe I went out to Los Angeles at that time, back to Los Angeles, that was really important too. So it's all, everything was exactly as it was supposed to be. So you, uh, you know, you had like, I think, you you came back to the show maybe for a little brief spell, but mm-hmm. then you kind of settled at Guiding Light for a, a nice long run and a of, nice little ride. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what yeah. do you remember about like making that transition and trying to like you know find a new you know settle into a new daytime home? I a suppose. new a new yeah. Now that one I did a little with a question mark. Um, I was in Los Angeles. I had been out here. They called and said, you know, there's this role, Dinah. Um, it would be a recast. It would bring you back to New York. You know, what do you think? And I had a big question mark. I'm not going to lie. I just didn't know if I was ready. And I took a jump. And, you know, what are you going to do? It's like not a bad thing. And it's not the end of the world. And let's see what happens. So begrudgingly, in a way, I came back to New York. And thought, well, I'll give a shot. Because I was really enjoying L.A. at the time, actually. And I was kind of finding my own rhythm again. Uh, and then this popped up. I said, okay. My mom, I was talking to my mom quite a bit about it. She said, yeah, you know, this is, embrace it. And it ended up being one of the most important moves I made. I made, first of all, I met my husband <laughs> during that period of time. Uh, which, Stephanie, you know, you know, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I know Joe. You know, Joe, and I met some pretty incredible people and I think opened up in a different way as an actor. And then from that, I started kind of branching out and I did some episodic and, you know, and I was doing I was doing some of that. Uh, I know after One Life to Live, when I was in L.A., I was picking up some speed and just kind of doing other things. But I got to experience I did some SVU in New York. I did Sopranos in New York and then, you know, still at Guiding Light, the writing I found so good. I found the acting so good. This to me, this was a real New York soap. It had such a real, such a realness to it. You know, I got to work with people like Beth Ellers, who to this day, I think seriously is one of the best actresses that I've ever worked with. 
we're nodding our heads. Yeah, we're big. Are you nodding your head? Big Beth fans here. Yep. I don't, you know, and she would probably right now be rolling her eyes. She would, whatever, <laughs> for sure, whatever. But truly, this this woman would make it like you're in her living room. Like I would be in the scene. I go, my God, I feel like I'm just sitting in my living room right now. But as opposed to being nervous and seeing cameramen and trying to get everything right, she had such an ability, and so I got to be around people like that and learn a lot. And so again. You know, it just fed me in a way that I needed to be fed, maybe in a way I didn't know, you know, or acknowledge. So, again, I was in the right place at the right time. I think the writers were really inspired by the character of Dinah, and she really drove story. Yeah. Yes, she did. Yep. And so that gave me that experience, right? I mean, that helped me understand what that feels like and how to maintain that. And do I think that that's helped me over at YNR? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Dinah was such a fun character, um, as was Kelly. Uh, but what made Dinah yep. particularly fun to play for you? <laughs> because she had nothing to lose. She had absolutely nothing to lose. We see a little bit of that in in, in Phyllis at times, but mm, Phyllis can lose quite a bit at this point, you know. And so, but Dinah was so rock bottom, you know. She truly built a lot of her foundation from the bottom up because she lost so much, either through poor decisions or through bad luck. Um, And to play a character like that is so cool because you get to play on the edge of just not caring what people think, or, you know, you're, you just, it has to work. It's either sink or swim. And I, that's a really cool place to be as an artist because it makes your choices bolder and you have to commit. And it's, it's, I, every time you, it's awesome. It, it gives you wings, you know, and, and it gives you the courage to sometimes you have to be really crappy to be great. You know, you got to be willing to be bad to be great. And she had that. We And, and <laughs> oddly, people watched it and they liked it. They liked her um, imperfections. And I love that because Gina, my personality is that's always an area that I always have to, you know, I love embracing is my imperfection. Mm-hmm. You had a pretty great on-screen mom at Guiding Light. By the way, oh my gosh, and Dad. Maeve Kincaid. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Tell me I what you. Her. Yeah, tell me about working with Maeve. Oh my God. Well, once I figured out that you know she, she first, I'm like, God, this is just so grounded. This woman, and she's so clear. Uh, she's just a remarkably interesting woman. Um, you know, her sister-in-law, if you believe it or not, is Meryl Streep. Um, it's 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 kind of her husband. It's her husband's sister. So it's, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but, um, she's just this remarkable renegade of a woman who is not only that I'm talking about Maeve, uh, well-read, very intelligent, offers so much to, you know, conversations and, and whatever it may be. But when it comes to the work, she's so truthful. And one time she said to me, she goes, you know, you gave me goosebumps. I said, what do you, what do you mean? She goes, you know, we were in a scene and you were doing your thing. And I think I was yelling at her. You know, she was my mom. She goes, and I got goosebumps on the back of my neck. I said, really? That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) And she she said, why? I said, she goes, because I felt like you did a transference. I felt like you, like you put yourself there. And I said, that's only because you made me feel safe enough. You know, that's only because you were generating something to me that gave me a signal that, you know, go for it. And I said, so thank you for that. She goes, well, whatever that was, don't forget it. You know, so she she would take moments 
to acknowledge the art of what we do. And I love that. You know, that's the kind of stuff that feeds my soul. So she was that person to me. That's there. lovely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, your performances at Guiding Light were impressive, to say the least. You won two daytime Emmys for your work as Dinah. Um, what did that yeah. mean to you at the time? Huge, huge. Kind of just meant, oh, you can do it. And also, it also meant a lot that my community would think that the same, you know, and that I am I moved them on some level, right? So I just thought that was so cool. And as far as outward acknowledgement, it's probably one of the coolest things when it comes to doing this. So, and I had my mom with me on my first first experience of winning that, and I was able to thank her, and you know, and and my family, and my mother, and my father, and my brother, and my sister in law, and everyone in my life who support me hugely. So to have that, and this is when the Emmys were aired, you know, televised. So that's important to me (laughs) Um, that I had that opportunity in that time when it was very special, not that it's not special now, but it's changed so much and it's in the process of changing. You can't help but compare. And so to me, that's because it was the first time it was just very special. Um, So yeah. Then the second one was just as incredible uh, but I forgot to thank my husband. <laughs> so, so that was a bit, seriously, that was a bit of a shadow on that one for a little bit. I had a tough time letting that one go. Um, but eventually I did. And when I won my third one at, at YNR, that's why I came out with him right away. <laughs> it took me like seven years to do whatever it was. But um, yeah, so it's just that in a way, that's how I sort of put that all together in my mind. <laughs> um, I want to know, uh, before we move from your New York career back to L.A., I want to know who were your roommates at uh, in your dressing rooms at these two shows? Because oh. I feel like those were some shared shared Huge. rooms. Um, okay. So one life to live was my shared room. That was with Aaron Torpy, who is now Aaron Von Watts, but she, um, she's my best friend, you know, and that has everything to do with that. Um, you know, we were young women <laughs> doing something very difficult. We were still growing up and on TV and, and I I don't know. It just we went through every difficult thing together, and that was huge. And I could not have asked for a better partner. Her mother Sue Torpy is one of the most influential people in my life spiritually. Um, you know, we we would pray together. We would whenever we hit hard times, we would talk about you know whatever it is. And there she was because Aaron at that time, you know, Aaron's a little younger than me, and she was about oh I don't know like sixteen, fifteen. Um, maybe even a little bit younger by the time I got to one life to live. She was, she was a little bit younger, like maybe in, like 13. And, you know, so her mom was still kind of in the, in the background. And so she was a big, big influence in my life. Um, so that was huge. When I went on to Guiding Light, we had dressing rooms and they were really small. That was like, I should be like, teeny teeny so we would be out of our dressing rooms a lot and sort of just like socializing and um i remember the excitement of having my own dressing room you know getting like because it's like your own space and at this time you didn't really share the dressing room as much in other words if you were there all the time you would pretty much be the one that would occupy that room 
then as years went on and casts were getting bigger and things were changing a bit, when you weren't there, people were like sharing your dressing room. So things changed quite a bit. And now at YNR, I have a dressing room, which is my own, my own dressing room, which is lovely. But when I'm not there, other people stay there. So it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a home away from home, but you, you welcome other people. They stay in your place, you know? So it's, things have changed a little bit. It's like an Airbnb, but you don't get paid. It is a total Airbnb, <laughs> but I don't charge, unfortunately. <laughs> I just asked them to put everything back, but I got it. <laughs> um, now, Guiding Light went off the air in 2009. Uh, what was that like for you to live through the show's cancellation? You know, it was a funny year because here we were, this incredible show was coming off the air that was devastating, I think, to so many fans. And to the industry, things were really sloping at that time. They weren't, things were just really changing in daytime. All my children was moving, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, they were going to LA and but that was the year of my marriage as well, 2009. You know, I had gotten married in May and my husband and I were just beginning our journey together. So that was really taking center stage. But at the same time, here this incredible experience was coming to an end. I was filled with reverence and gratitude. But at the same time, I knew that times are changing and it was it was bittersweet. It was it was a it was a hard year, and yet it was full of 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 a lot of emotion, but mainly positive because because of the marriage. But but um, yeah. But I got to tell you, we lost something very very special when we lost Guiding Light, and I will always say that you could watch these scenes during the day, whether it was with Justin Dees, um, and he just would um do a do a show, do a scene, and it would be like a matinee. It'd be a matinee. It, yeah. you, be, his scenes would be like watching a matinee, and just the the level of performance. Kim Zimmer, God, she was good. You know, she just mm-hmm. was so good and so compelling, um, and just a real original. You know, a real original. And I got the chance to get to know her and work with her, and I loved that. Just Jordan Clark, every one of them. You know, Ricky Paul Golden. You know, he was just he's just amazing still. Um, so I I don't know, I don't know if it was the time, but it just was incredibly special. It it was a time also that everybody knew what they were doing. Everybody was so solid with what they did and they made it look so easy. And I thought the writing was really character driven. Um, we, we knew who these characters were. We weren't confused. Nobody was acting like the other person, you know, or, or speaking like the other person. Um, you know, and so, and you didn't need huge sets. You could have a small set, but it didn't matter. It was the relationships. People were moved by the relationship between the two actors, the two characters. And that's what kept them coming back every day because they felt something, you know, and I felt that every single day. So that's how I remember Guiding Light. That's a lovely tribute and very apt. Mm -hmm. So when the New York shows, you know, all went off the air sort of one by one, did you think that that was it was curtains for you in your daytime career or did yeah. you have somewhere in the back of your head, maybe making. No, the- <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I never dreamt I would ever be on YNR or, or come out and do an LA soap. I, I just thought that was it. So I gave myself like a year and a half to two years to, I knew that I was tired. I knew that I just kind of needed to listen and go and do something else. And I was auditioning at the time, but if I were going to be honest, I, I wasn't, feeling it. I, I, 
felt that there was something else I needed to do. So I started a, a shoe company. Uh, my father and my brother and my uncle are in the shoe business. And I completely went out of the box and designed a lady's shoe line called So Nine. And I wanted to donate portion of our proceeds to domestic violence. I was drawn to that cause because I felt that women who uh, survive domestic uh, violence very much have to work from the inside out. And as an actor, I believe we work from the inside out as artists. And we are um, very much about our inner dialogues. And survivors have to build themselves up again after they suffer that type of violence and they have to rebuild their lives. So there was something compelling about that. And I found the NCADV as a coalition of domestic violence. And we donated our portion of our proceeds uh, of our shoes to them. And that was really remarkable experience. And that brought me to about 2014. And I started that in about 2012 or so. And it was really a, a cool time with my family and kind of developing that. And then in 2014, uh, we got in contact. We, they got into contact with us. We got in contact with them. We heard about this role, about Phyllis. And I was curious, uh, but I needed to meet the folks at YNR. Joe Phelps was the EP at the time. And I read for them. And I said, okay, well, I'll read and we'll see what this is like. And But I wasn't sure. And, and then when they said, yeah you know, we, we want you to be Phyllis. I thought, well, God, how am I going to do this? You know? And I said, well, well, let's just give it a shot. My husband and I both agreed that we could do it together. You know, we made that decision together and, uh, I'll fly out, do some episodes and come back. Well, you know, now it's four and a half years later, nearly five years and I'm still doing it and I can't believe it. Um, you know, I, I will have to say this character worked more than I thought. <laughs> I was going to be able to get home a little bit more, but um, <laughs> we we figured that out. I don't know; it's crazy, but this has been such a great group of people. It's hard work. I think daytime is probably harder than it's ever been. Uh, it's more demanding than it's ever been, but. I am so proud of this show and the way we look and the way we we put together our production value is so incredible. I mean, our lighting and what we do in a day is outrageous. Um, and it's this is it. This is like the number one show. And it's just it's amazing. And the, the amount of talent and, and skill. And it's a, it's a beast. It's a real beast. And um, so I'm very proud of kind of being here. You know, this is a what an experience this is, mm-hmm. you know. Now, what was your original approach to playing Phyllis? You know, did you want to really look into her backstory? Did you want to try to create something of your own, a mix of the two? So I was a huge fan of Michelle Stafford. I think that she was just, oh, my goodness. If she hadn't have done the work that she did, nobody would have uh, known who Phyllis was. But she made sure that everybody knew who she was. And she was awesome. Okay. So, and her courage is crazy. Um so from that, I was like, oh, man, okay, so I got to go there. So that's how I knew right away that there was a reason why I was kind of supposed to do this. Because I think one thing Phyllis teaches me is to stop thinking. Just stop thinking. Just do it. Take your head, put it on the side, and take your little wings and, you know, and go. 
that's that's just who she is. Um, so in my life, I always need that. Um, and she, Michelle Stafford did that in a way that was very raw. I like that. That part I could get. And so I, I started from there, okay? And then I always remembered, and this is true, Robin Strasser always said, put your fingerprints all over it. And it works. And whenever you take anything, I don't care if it's an original character or if it's a recast, eventually you can start putting your fingerprints on it. And you acknowledge what is a part of it and what people expect, but then you can start making it your own. And I like doing that. That's just my thing. I like it. And I think that it's a good thing to have as an actor. Um, but you got to pay attention to just her core, her core personality. That is sometimes I always have to remind myself, remind myself of that because when we go through so many different changes and head writing and such, sometimes those things can be undefined. So it's up to the actor to continue to remind as much as he or she can as to what, you know, that character is about. So it's been, this has not been easy. This has not been a cakewalk. And the fact that people accepted me and thought it was a good thing, I'm very, very grateful for because it's not something that I just sort of just walked in and did. I I had to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And yet, definitely challenging. You're in two very popular pairings. Um, never mind the one with Peter Bergman as well. But um, uh, you know, we have a thick Philly, you know, Philly, battle Philly, waging Philly. on. You know, I know. So let's talk about some of the men you work with. Um, So let's start with Peter Bergman. I love him so much. Okay, so he's just like such a gem. That's all I can say. A gem, gem, gem. Not only as a person, but as as, as just an artist. He's one of the most intelligent people I know. Um, Incredibly well-read. But he he called me the day I landed and and, uh, took took this on. And said, welcome, I'm really excited to have you. And it's just, he's that type of person. Okay, he goes out of his way. We we often have dinner together. We, we have lunch together. And we talk about life. And then we talk about uh, just our characters and how we're, how we're growing as artists. This is a man who's been doing it for a long time. And not only in daytime, but at this show. And to still have the interest in talking about these things and growing as a person, as an artist is remarkable. And it's not, it's not, uh, it is rare. It is rare. And so I acknowledge that and, and the world needs to know what a gem this man is, but he has kept me grounded when I have even come to him and said, I don't know what to do with this. And I am lost or whatever it may be, or you need to, I need to ask you about this and we will talk it through. Um, I always said that Peter would be somebody like, I would call if I needed a question about a scene or I needed a question, needed an answer about a scene because uh, he's remarkable at structure, you know, what should be happening in the scene, you know, from the beginning, middle and end. And uh, so this was my first guy. This was my first love interest. So no wonder it clicked. Um, when he looked at me, he didn't see Gina. He saw Phyllis. That was very important. And I'll never forget that he did that. Uh, and I think that helped the audience. So immediately we were off and running. Then we have Jason Thompson come in and here comes in this beautiful 
light, this gorgeous, gentle light, who not only is he physically just stunning, but he inside is one of the most gentle, beautiful people. And he had a hard thing. He had to come in, replace Billy Miller, who really put his fingerprints on that role. And they're different. They have different energy. And yet they're both so compelling. And here comes Billy. And it was supposed to be just uh, like a connection. But we didn't know and, and it wasn't written that we were really supposed to take off. It was always supposed to be Victoria and Billy. And there was something within Jason and within this character that Phyllis could hear. She just heard him. And she could feel him in a room, okay? And that's the best way I could say it. And that had to do with writing. At the time, it was the inception of it, of me being here, Jason being here, and really just the way we work. Jason and I like to talk about the scene. We like to talk about what's going to make it better. And I think that's awesome. Uh, for You know, he's been at the set a while, too. So... Here he comes. I I eat that up with a spoon. I think it's the most awesome thing. And we end up having great writing. And that's like, thank God, you know, because it really can be the other way. So we uh, and some chemistry building. to boot. Let's not. And, yeah, and let's not. Let's not take you guys out of this. <laughs> you had to create that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just a cool dude. And um, yeah. And then and then you put him in the middle of you know Jack and Phyllis. You know, this perfect triangle with a brother who'll never measure up to the older brother. And then the older brother is trying to control everything. And then me caught in the middle. I couldn't ask for anything better. It was like the best storyline ever. <laughs> so <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want it to end. I thought it was terrific. And it does not surprise me that it was so good for all of us. And then, you know, when you have something that works, generally in daytime, they, they like to mess it up. They like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They like to mess it up, and I never understand that. I'm like, why are they doing that? But um, you know, it gets people gets people riled up, I guess. And so then we find ourselves in this challenge of of you know why we can't have what we want, and really that's very relatable. You know, in in life, I think we all have to sometimes, and on some degree, have to wait for certain things to come to us, and maybe that's the story we tell. But in the meantime, now I get a chance to work with Joshua Morrow, who honestly, I'm there now four years and maybe have two or three scenes with him the entire time. And yet these two have so much history. And I always would laugh with him. I said, my God, could we at least have more than two scenes together? And um, and once we started, once we started, I knew it was going to happen. We went through this awkward little stage or I did. And. I went, you know, Josh, this is the most we've ever worked together. And we ha- I have to find this with you. This is not Michelle Stafford. This is not, this is Gia being Phyllis in this day and age. And we have to find it. And he agreed 100%. And the first few weeks were a little, mm, a little awkward because, and felt sometimes a little forced, I'm going to be honest, in the way that we were trying to jump into this, but you got to find it. You got to find it. And we did. And now I just, I, not now, I'm not saying it was bad. It's just, it's like anything when something's organic, you, you, you one step at a time, one step at a time. And I think um, they did a very good job of that, but you know, we jumped right in, but I love it. Now it's now I really feel like I can identify what that is and it's different than the than the other two. So I'm lucky 
because I just get to work with all with just such great guys. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gina, I have to tell you, I have a friend who I don't think has gotten a decent night's sleep since Philly broke up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been very difficult on her. I um, know. It's very <laughs> difficult. I know. I know. And let me tell you, I love Philly. Let me tell you, I try, man. He's just, he's just so amazing. But I, I every time I'm looking at the scripts and all this, I'm like, he's getting further and further away from me, damn it. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? So I, you know, I, I wish I had control. I could, I just get, act my little heart out, (laughs) but I'm so glad for the support, you know, people, our fans send us, you know, most amazing things and just thank you. I have to thank the fans. They've been so supportive. I love when you post pictures of the stuff that the fans send. I think that's so sweet. Good. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I like it too. Well, you've also had such an incredible story with many of the women on the canvas, especially in the last year. Um, you know, what's it been like? playing out this whole JT story and working so closely with Melody and Sharon and Amelia. I mean, it's so cool. We're all so unique in our characters and, but the women are, we're all very similar. We're all, we all love each other and watch out for each other. Um, We all work very hard. So in that way, you know, I just, I adore working with these women. I really do. And it's just easy. Okay. But when we get on, when the, when the uh, cameras roll, it's a whole nother story. And so thank God it's not that type of energy because I, you know, you couldn't survive that because really everyone hates Phyllis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, constantly the one that's most hated in the room, but these women are terrific. You know, they give it as good as they get. And I love that. That gives me something to play off of. And, you know, they're all veterans. So, and Amelia is just cracks me up. Um, She's a cutie. And Melody is just a a doll. And and Sharon, you know, my God, she's one of the most positive people I've ever met. You know, she's been at this a long time. She comes in just like just sunshine, you know, sunshine every day. So I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky. Um, now, as you mentioned, you will hit the five-year mark as Phyllis later this year. Um, you know, what do you think when you look back on your Y&R journey so far? I can't, I can't believe I survived it. <laughs> I, fly, I fly so much. I fly back home a lot. and You know, it was necessary. I needed to do this. It has taught me more than I could have ever imagined. It has also brought me back to why I got into this in the first place. That's all I could say is that I do love what I do. I love the art of expression. And this place keeps me honest and not, not um, I, I mean, in an ethical way, but it just keeps me honest about why I do this, you know, um, and I am in such a loving environment. It is not a mean environment. It's a supportive environment, and uh, I, I'm just so thankful. I really am. Now, before we let you go, you do travel back and forth all the time. What's your number time. one tip? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you got to travel light. Travel light. You don't need half the things we pack. So, <laughs> so, so travel light. Bring wet ones. Wipe down the seat the minute you get there. Wipe down the arms, especially the belt buckle. People forget about that. Wipe down the belt buckle because that never gets wiped down. Never wear socks to the bathroom. Put the shoes on. It's very dirty. 
That but makes me crazy on. when people do that. Does that make you crazy too? Yes, it's disgusting. I can't, actually, don't ever do that. There's way too much DNA on that floor. You do not want that in your home. Correct. Um. Um. Stay hydrated. Don't fly hungover. It's not a good experience. Uh, not that you're speaking. Not that you experience. would know. Not no. that I do that. <laughs> Not that I'm doing and that later today. Always travel with a scarf. Always travel with a little wrappy or a little scarf that can turn into a blanket at any moment because sometimes they don't have enough. And that's it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy and treat it like your <laughs> office. I turn everything off. I don't have my phone on. I bring my book. I bring my script. I bring my journal. And that's my time in the sky. That's my office in the sky. And that's I treat it like a retreat. And that's how I've gotten through it for five years. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. Think, I think there might be uh, an airline magazine you need to write a column for. Yeah. That. I will write articles. Yes, I will. <laughs> bring, bring, we'll, we'll bring it all full circle to your intention of your becoming journalism a journalist. career. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> well, Gina, thank you so much for joining us. It was so great to talk to yeah, you and catch up. Such a pleasure. Oh, me too, girls. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. Happy Make it New a beautiful year one. You, you too. You. Happy Thank New you. Year. Talk to you soon. Bye, Gina. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Gina Tonioni for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.